I'm Daniel Kazer, the content manager at Startup Edmonton, and welcome to the Get Started Show, a show where we talk about getting started with people who got started. And to help us kick the day off, we're having some delightful morning food uh, from an Edmonton staple, the Green Onion Cake Man, with uh, Atif Baskandri, uh, the creator of Salam Bai, and also the former director of Startup Edmonton. Hi. Hi, Atif. Hey, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so uh, tell, tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, you know, uh, uh, give me the, the paragraph that says, uh, says who you are. Yeah, so uh, kind of a bit of a diverse background. Mm-hmm. Back in the early days, I'll go way back. So grew up as a, a young brown Muslim in rural Newfoundland, a town of about 4,000 people. Went on to study electrical engineering, always been passionate about social justice, trying to connect the two. Uh, after I worked at BlackBerry for a few years designing smartphones, went to do a master's in social policy development and started my journey of connecting social development with engineering. So I kind of did kind of travel to Palestine, Sierra Leone, across Canada, uh, working in that field and kind of seeing that as my tool of engaging on innovation. Okay, uh, and so before we 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 delve into how you sort of combine those uh, concepts as a uh, startup founder, um, let's uh, let's dig into uh, the the nice eats that we got from the Green Onion Cake Man here. I cannot wait. I just had to uh, I had to properly like unbox it and put it on a nice fancy plate because you got to respect the cake. You got yeah, yeah, yeah. Have to respect it, and you have to have like the hot sauce, and it's got to be perfect now the green onion cake man uh green onion cakes are an edmonton staple the green onion cake man actually sort of brought them conceptually to edmonton in the late 1970s early 1980s at a uh, restaurant called the happy garden happy garden is no more but he is still around and making green onion cakes so it's a great uh, great time that is a fantastic edmonton founder to be proud of <laughs> yes all right, I'm gonna go in for a bite because mm-hmm. I cannot like not have this. Mm. Oh, I forgot to dip. I forgot to dip. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. And I'm definitely mm. gonna devour these as we go through this chat and <laughs> afterwards. I cannot wait. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh wow, this is you know what the funny thing is? This is my first time having green onion cake man and i love mm. green onion cakes but for whatever reason i never got it from there these are amazing yeah they're really good um yeah. he he published his recipe um a few years ago and um i made them and i'm like wow these are actually like noticeably better using this recipe so it's great <laughs> nice mm-hmm. um okay so green onion cakes uh but <laughs> but founding and getting started um so a, a little bit about your project. Um, after coming up with the uh, the idea of Salam Bai, uh, what were the first steps you took to sort of validate the concept as you would in like with any startup? It's interesting because it, it didn't actually necessarily start as the idea of Salam Bai and then mm-hmm. kind of we found the tools to build it out. Uh, it actually all started from an intention of something that my wife and I were feeling quite a lot, which was uh, growing Islamophobia in Canada and the US uh, and just growing divisions that we started to see in society. So in 2017, uh, basically my wife, Nazia, she was on a 26 hour shift in the hospital working 
And I decided to write my story in a Facebook post of growing up as a Muslim Newfoundlander, primarily because I never really saw that story out there. At that time, I just jumped on Google. And if you Googled Muslim Newfoundlander, you'll get stories of the community in general, but you didn't find a story of like putting yourself in the shoes of a Muslim Newfoundlander. And at the same time, I would see this growing narrative of rural people. So basically this association that if you came from a rural community that, you know, you're most likely racist, et cetera. And while at the same time I saw this big pickup in Islamophobia that didn't represent Muslims or Islam in any way that I saw. And I would see that about rural communities because I grew up in a rural community where I didn't really have to face that. Uh, at the same time, I've been working in social justice and anti-racism for a while. So I just decided to write my story to highlight here's a community that happened to do it right as a potential tool to spark a conversation of we understand all the problems with racism. Um, how can we start painting a picture of directions we can go in in the right path? Uh, so you sort of kind of went at it in a different direction than a lot of startup founders would be where you almost started validating before you realized that you had an idea, which is kind of great um, because some people skip the validating step altogether. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of, I mean, to be honest, like I started off from a blog post and mm -hmm. I just released it online. I actually never even made the blog post public at first. It was mm -hmm. just for my friends. And then my friends were poking me to make it public. And then it went a bit viral. And then from, like everything just kind of snowballed from there. Uh, so when you're building on a passion project, how do you balance uh, your passion uh, with the feedback, sometimes negative, you get from customers uh, and people who are consuming your product? It's very interesting. I think balancing expectations was something I learned a lot while, de while developing this. And this is like my wife, Nazira, is a physician. I myself am an engineering and a bit of a business background. Uh, we're like, you know, we're not these professional storytellers. It's just something that we're passionate about. So as we're going through this process, there's different groups that we encountered. And there was a group of people who were like, we initially thought were going to be the group that really jived and grabbed our story, um, but they didn't. And it actually ended up becoming different groups that really connected and resonated with it. So it's kind of funny when you're pursuing a passion project and you think, hey, I think these other groups are probably very passionate about this. And then when they don't pick it up, you're like, huh, okay. Uh, but then you actually find this other group of people that kind of pick it up. And that happened with us. Um, so what we ended up doing was, while well, it was a passion project, we understood that the groups that we thought we were building it up for at the beginning ended up changing over time. There was another interesting point is I created a story about myself growing up in Newfoundland. I remember early on, I actually spoke to some other friends who grew up as minorities in Newfoundland. Uh, like one of my friends who was Tamil, one who was half Chinese, half white, my atheist friend, my gay friend, and talking to them about their stories growing up. And I immediately learned that I could not tell their story. And I know that's something that when you're working on a thing like I was doing on anti-racism, you feel like you have to speak on behalf of a community. And I immediately learned that I could not speak on behalf of a community. 
when I had those conversations. And that forced me to own my own story. And in owning my own story, I actually found how it did end up resonating with communities. So that was another big learning that I had. Uh, in both your experience growing up and in uh, your sort of diverse professional roles so far, how important has the uh, is the ability to thrive in different environments for founders? Like you've done, you, you've done crowdfunding. You've you've worked in an engineering firm. You worked at BlackBerry. Like that's a lot of different hats. Um, how did how did that strengthen you? Yeah, um, I've worked in a lot of different places and maybe I'll, I'll talk about one of my favorite failures. Uh, so one of my favorite failures was after we, like after I wrote this story and it was actually Nausea's idea to turn it into a film. So we were gonna create a speaking tour and go around Newfoundland and tell this story and then Nausea came up with the idea to make it into a film. And we decided to first pitch it to CBC because it's like, it's a very Canadian story. Uh, and then CBC passed on it. And that was actually one of my favorite failures. And I, Nazia would talk about this a lot, about how she loved that CBC passed on us. And she loved that it forced us to think of a different avenue. Uh, the reason being is because like, once you do get a big partner, sometimes they have their own scope of how they like to do storytelling. So what we ended up doing is we did crowdfunding, uh, which can be very intimidating. Like, you know, you put up something on crowdfunding, you like, if it makes a thousand bucks, you're like, that's amazing. <laughs> um, and we ended up getting uh, $16,000 from 270 donors from 19 different countries uh, when we did our crowdfunding. That actually allowed us to hire a professional director and production company and film team that actually joined us on the speaking tour going around Newfoundland. So I think that the ability to kind of take the circumstances as they came to us and navigating within them actually allowed us to constantly grow. Um, one other thing we realized it's, as I mentioned, sometimes our audience changed over time. We actually found our target group, which was educators. And we never knew that we were going to make this into an edu like a proper education platform. Uh, what we ended up doing is working with teachers and education professionals to build up teaching resources that go along with the film for primarily grade six to grade 12. This was another thing that serendipitously came to us. Uh, actually, this teacher, who is now a principal of his school from Fogo Island in Newfoundland, contacted me and Nazia one day and said, hey, I created a teacher's guide based off of your film just to show my students. Thought you might be interested. And at, before then, we never really thought of actively engaging teachers in that kind of way. And he helped start us on that journey. Mm -hmm. So it's like sometimes these doors opened up that from this marketplace of people who are demanding, like like really wanting this kind of material. And we just kind of walk through that door. Cool. Uh, to sort of follow up on that, um, when you are kind of forced to pivot, that can be a really emotionally trying sort of moment for a founder. Uh, how did you get through that from like a, an emotional perspective of seeing the path forward and then having to revise it right away? It is interesting. Um, I'll be honest, sometimes it did sting. Like when we thought our community, so like for example, we thought the Muslim Canadian community was gonna be one of our key groups that we were gonna work with. Uh, but then we actually found that we didn't get a lot of traction with certain institutions, but there was like other groups that we got traction with, with which were like newcomer associations and education bodies. So all of a sudden, 
and that's why I mentioned before, it's like we thought we we thought that this audience or this so-called customer was going to be the one we were designing for. But in reality, when it ended up being created, it wasn't that group. But there was this other other group that really picked us up. So we ended up shifting our entire focus to them. Uh, and it was and the thing that was nice about that pivot is like when we pivoted to this other audience or this other market, we were able to build up this traction to there was like other inroads to engage with that original group. So like we're very actively involved in the Muslim community and community and there's other inroads that we engage with them on. So it's interesting to say like when one market doesn't pick you up, it doesn't mean that that's like the be all end all, that that's the conclusion of it. Sometimes there's a time and place and circumstance of when you can draw those connections again. Awesome. Um, and now sort of a little bit of a bonus question, Feel and feel free to answer this uh, in a completely selfish manner, but how would you like the startup and community in Edmonton to look in five to 10 years? Uh, and uh, what, what key components of the, of the community are you really looking, uh, looking at? This is interesting. And I'm going to answer this with my uh, salon by hat on, because I know I have quite a history with the Edmonton startup community. But the reason I'm going to answer this with my salon by hat on is because as much as it's a startup and a social enterprise, we treat it in a completely different way. Um, this isn't one of those investable startups that is super scalable. And that's fine because that's something me and Nanzi and I, we made that decision when we created this is that we saw a beginning and we saw an end and our goal was social impact to seed a conversation on anti-racism in Canada. And that was our goal. So I think something I would like to see from the startup community is more diverse views of looking at the why people become entrepreneurs. Uh, it's not just to kind of build up a company and get investment. Sometimes that why is to serve my community a need in my community. The why for us was how do we help tackle Islamophobia in Canada? And that has a big like personal reasoning for us. So I think that connection into like different people's values and why they decide to be a founder and celebrating that, even though it might not necessarily fit our framework of being a founder. Like for example, someone could look at me and say, oh, well, he did this to tackle Islamophobia and anti-racism in Canada, but it doesn't really have a sustainable long-term business model, which can be important, but sometimes you can start things and you can end things. So our long game for this project, it was actually interesting. Um, we had big wins. Like we got on, we were one of the first Muslim Canadian uh, documentaries to be on Amazon Prime available globally to stream there. But that wasn't our goal actually. Like, it's kind of interesting. It was a nice to have, but it wasn't a goal. Our goal was to cement a story and history of a Muslim Canadian and specifically a Muslim Newfoundlander. So actually just last week, uh, the Center for Newfoundland Studies and the Newfoundland and Labrador Public Libraries have agreed to adopt Salambai into their archives. And for me, that's actually my big win. Like that is the end, that's the end goal that both Nazi and I had. Like getting the attention from general public that's okay that's over here but getting adopted as a piece of canadiana that was really the end goal of how do we talk about this muslim canadian story uh and just add it into the history books uh because we know that that is something where like you know 
people can be forgotten in history. And it's not about like us being remembered in history, but like this community of people. And that was the truest intention of why we got started. Why we got started was we saw that there wasn't a story of a Muslim Newfoundlander out there. And we also started to see some emerging right-wing sentiments in Newfoundland that struck me with a lot of caution. So our end goal was how do we tell my story before someone else tells my story? And someone who kind of might have no business telling my story of what it is to be a Muslim mm -hmm. Newfoundlander. So I see it as a success in that way because we were able to tell a story of a Muslim Newfoundlander and get it adopted in the history books mm -hmm. of Newfoundland. Well, thank you very much. Uh, so uh, before we move on, uh, we do have a little bit of a fun deep dive here. Uh, we went through your social media and we found uh, a fun picture. Uh, and we'd love for you to uh, sort of walk us through what's going on in this book. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so this was actually an anniversary gift uh, from my wife, Nausea. Um, she knows that I'm a big Trekkie. So back when we used to live in Calgary, uh, the science center there actually had this big Star Trek exhibit and Starfleet Academy experience. So for our anniversary, which was the nerdiest and funnest anniversary, uh, she got us tickets to kind of go through all the exhibits and everything. And she also bought me that shirt as part of my gift. Um, yeah, so that, that was a ton of fun. Uh, yeah, and actually Star Trek is one of, kind of growing up watching Star Trek with my friends when I was in primary school in Newfoundland was one of my fondest memories. <laughs> um, awesome. Uh, so uh, we, we've kind of come to the end here uh, and I would love to hear uh, sort of uh, anything that you would like to, to talk about, to plug, to, uh, to, uh, to point us toward uh, before, before we sign off. Yeah, I think I, I love being invited for this conversation to kind of think differently about entrepreneurship because entrepreneurship, I mean, sure, it's about building businesses, but really it's about just building out ideas and something that you're passionate about. Uh, and I, I was really happy to share a story of just us, like Nazi and I building an idea for something that we're passionate about that was connected to our values and our mission. And we hope that so many people out there kind of go out there and build ideas that connect to your values and your mission. Um, yeah, so really happy to have this conversation. Uh, and we were very happy to have you. Uh, and I'm not going to keep you any much longer. I know those green onion cakes won't eat themselves. So uh, I just wanted to, to thank everybody here um, uh, for, for coming, uh, since 2009, we've been supporting entrepreneurs at startup Edmonton as they launch and grow. We're here to help, uh, you through our programming community events and connecting founders with the resources they need to help turn their ideas into startup companies. Uh, if you're lis listening today and you're looking for a place to start, feel free to book a, th a free 30-minute Get Started meeting with us at StartupEdmonton.com. Thank you again, Natif. Thank you so much. Have a great day, everyone.